Hello and welcome to The Shepherd's Voice, the podcast of Totonkin Covenant Presbyterian Church here in Percival, Virginia. My name is Ben Franks and I'm here with Pastor Charles Biggs. Good morning. Good morning. So today we have a, kind of a two-part question. We're going to handle this in two different episodes, but the, the, the question in essence is, where did the Bible come from? And we want to deal with that in kind of both both of its pieces. So Pastor Biggs, I wonder if you could just mm. speak to us a little bit about uh, specifically the Old Testament canon as we look at how the Bible came to be. Um, how did we get the books mm. of the Old Testament? Yeah, that's a great question. It's not easily answered, but it is answered. It can be answered. We uh, believe that there are 39 books of the Old Testament, of the Old Testament canon. These were the 39 books that were held in our Lord Jesus' hands as Holy Scripture that he referred to. Um, when we think of this matter, I think we should go to two places in Luke's Gospel. Mm. Uh, one is where... Uh, Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus. At the end, he says that the Old Testament people, the saints, have Moses and the prophets. He's making a distinction between two parts of the Old Testament canon, the Moses and the prophets. At the end of uh, Jesus's life and ministry, mm-hmm. um, as he, or, or I should say, after uh, his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, uh, at, at the beginning of his ascension ministry mm-hmm. or the beginning of his exalted ministry, uh, our Lord Jesus says on the road to Emmaus that beginning with Moses and the prophets and the writings, uh, he showed how all of those scriptures pointed to himself. So our Lord Jesus held within his hands on that day when he preached at Nazareth in the synagogue and he took from the scrolls, he would have uh, recognized 39 books of the Old Testament canon. Now, canon is a word that means a rule, and so it's the rule or the standard by which we uh, would uh, govern our lives, the church. Um, and, and so we want to remember that our Lord Jesus uh, made a distinction uh, and, and broke down the, the, the canon of the 39 books into three parts, Moses, the prophets, and the writings. And uh, so when we think of that, I think the next thing we want to remember is our Lord Jesus is teaching about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, when he teaches at the end of John, in some of his final words to his disciples, he talks about how the Holy Spirit is going to take from uh, him, uh, reveal Christ more fully, and he will bring the people to Christ. And I think one of the important things we want to remember is that it is the Holy Spirit's ministry and privilege always uh, to inspire the authors of Holy Scripture, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. In that passage from John, uh, we are referring to what the apostles will write in the New Testament canon, as you'll uh, point out uh, in another uh, talk. But um, the, 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 the Holy Spirit has always carried along through inspiration mm-hmm. that the Old Testament books are uh, the very God-breathed-out Word of God uh, reveals. So he's inspired. He's also the one who has taken from uh, the the Father through the Son by the Spirit uh, in in His own ministry uh, throughout the Old Testament to inscripturate certain books, mm-hmm. uh, not all prophecies, not all writings, not all visions, not all oracles, but to inscripturate. That is to put down in writing uh, these books and and further to give illumination 
um, not just to understand the books, but to actually recognize the authority, the majesty, the deity, if you will, uh, or the or the Father's uh, imprint, the God's imprint on the actual um, uh, scriptures. And so, the uh, all three of those are very important: the the inspiration, the uh, inscripturation mm-hmm. and the illumination, all the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when the Lord Jesus uh, comes in the fullness of time and his Bible is made up of 39 books broken down into the, uh, the uh, Moses, the prophets and the writings or the Psalms, sometimes it's called mm-hmm. the writings. Well, I'll say that in a moment. Let me say that what we have there then is we think of process and and the only group that we know of in sacred history anyway that rejected the 39 books would have been uh, the Sadducees who just held to the Torah, just held to the five books of Moses. But your most conservative group, which is surprising to us sometimes, but the most conservative group were the Pharisees. Yeah. Uh, they held to those 39 books. Um, there were some apocryphal books, um, uh, 14 or so books uh, that were written closer to the coming of Christ uh, between Malachi and Matthew, mm-hmm. um, but they were never accepted by the Lord Jesus or really anyone in the early church as sacred scripture, only as historical writings that might be useful, which is what our confession uh, reaffirms right. later on. But what I want to say is um, uh, there's a process whereby that canon was received. And we see with Moses, we see his writings, they were inscripturated. If you remember, Moses was told to write these things down. Uh, a portion of the law was to be kept in the Ark of the Covenant. These writings were to be passed on because Moses says that uh, in Deuteronomy, when he speaks of a coming king, that the king uh, and the prophet and the priest will work together in harmony to to govern God's people, that uh, the king will rule by the law. So it's a, the implication is that the scriptures are not only just not only inspired by the Spirit, but will be inscripturated. They'll be written down and they'll mm-hmm. be passed on. Um, that first group, uh, Moses or the Pentateuch, the second group are called, um, that, that Jesus refers to, the second part of the Old Testament uh, would be the prophets. And they would include what we call in the Protestant canon the historical books. Uh, they would include also the major and minor prophets, as we call them, mm-hmm. the writing prophets, the speaking prophets. And uh, so all of those were gathered. All of those were then handed on or down to the next generation. We see after the exile, particularly, we note that after the exile and the coming back into the land, there was a renewal, a kind of revival under Ezra and Nehemiah, where there was an acknowledgement of the books uh, that had been received and a return to them, um, a, a return to God's word. This had happened throughout redemptive history. But one thing that we can say scripturally about the exile was the exile was um, not just to discipline God's people to remind them that 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 God was with them and that they were to be obedient, but that God had given them Holy Scripture specifically to obey and to uh, be governed by. And so this continued. So this would be passed on. And so just fast forwarding because the process of how it came to be is not so clear. Uh, we can just fast forward to the Lord Jesus. And we do know the Lord Jesus. We know the Pharisees. We know uh, the teachers like Gamaliel and others in the, uh, the the church of the Lord Jesus would have recognized 39 books of the canon. Uh, they would recognize the three-part Moses, the prophets, and the writings. And so we can have great confidence in our Old Testament canon that the books that we 
um, that we're reading in those 39 books are the very words of God. They're the word of God breathed out, inspired, <laughs> inerrant, infallible. Um, and, 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 and we should understand that there was some struggle to this. This is part of where I think um, we have to remember the natural man does not acknowledge the things of God. Only the Holy Spirit can actually not only help us to hear the voice of the shepherd, you know, we, we, the only God's people can hear the voice of the shepherd through the Spirit. Only the Spirit can help God's people to understand the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit helps God's people to recognize the mm -hmm. Holy Scriptures. But there's sometimes some uh, some struggle. And, and one of the providential struggles was books like Esther and Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, as it's sometimes called. Um, they didn't mention God. So were they to be included in the canon? Ultimately, they were. They were in the writings, and uh, they were there along with the Psalms and Proverbs and Job, mm. and a very important book, and Ecclesiastes. So while there may have been a struggle, there may have been a, um, a, a prayerful, careful seeking to understand, ultimately they were received. And by the time our Lord Jesus comes, he would have received all of those 39 books that we call the Word of God um, as the very Word of God. Yeah, I think that also opens up a good reminder for us of kind of the, the uniqueness of the religious culture of the Old Testament people of God, the nation of Israel. I think we often assume that, you know, every religion, you know, in the ancient world or even every religion in the modern world must have its own kind of equivalent of the Bible. Mm -hmm. But so often that's not the case. And actually what we find, you know, in the way that, that God is dealing with his people is that he says, I'm... I'm dealing with you, and I am calling you to a different way of life, a different kind of devotion than what you will see in the world. The constant temptation for Israel was to make religion into mere ritual, um, to lean heavily on religious imagery, practices, holy places, and things that were um, you know, immediately appealing to the flesh. And God self-consciously says, you know, we read this in Deuteronomy, especially this, this emphasis on I did not give you an image. I've given you the word. And the the um, the emphasis that God put on that really shaped, I think, the way that the Old Testament scriptures were handled. I think one of the kind of misconceptions or false narratives that people often get, maybe especially if they hear liberal scholars talking about the Old Testament or the New Testament is, well, you know, here are ancient documents that were never intended to be scripture. You know, they were just things that people were writing, and then after the fact, they were kind of squeezed into this mold for political purposes or religious purposes. Yeah. Um, but of course, as, you, as you've drawn out, when you go back to Moses, you know, writing these first five books of the Old Testament, he's very aware of what he is doing, and he is presenting himself as delivering the very words of God and even giving specific warnings and instructions in Deuteronomy uh, and elsewhere about how that word is to be received and how it is to be transmitted. And it's really instructive to see how the scribes in the Old Testament, sometimes almost to the point of superstition, as they were perhaps drifting from God in some ways, were very careful to make sure that every letter, every jot, every tittle was passed down exactly as it had been received. And so there was great care uh, taken with the word of God and a great devotion to the word of God. It wasn't just something that sat on a shelf. If you were part of the, the synagogue worship that took place, you know, between the, the time of, of the, you know, the writings of the Old Testament and the time of Christ, it was given to the reading and, mm -hmm. and, and, and teaching of, of the Word of God. And like you said, that's the context within which Jesus and the apostles were raised, and we see them reflecting that. Yes. And so it's not a matter of kind of looking back and, 
and squeezing these disconnected books into some artificial mold. It really is uh, taking them as they present themselves as being, as as the Word of God. Yes, and and very very helpful. And and when the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy in his second letter. Uh, he says all scripture is God breathed. Yes, At that uh, point in redemptive history, he's speaking of the 39 books of the Old Testament yes. canon. So it, the Old Testament uh, is the very word of God. The, yeah. What we possess is God's word, and we can be thankful for that, that every jot and tittle is important. Uh, Jesus says that not one jot and tittle will pass away yeah. from the law until all has been fulfilled. Not one uh, should be uh, uh, that all of it should be received as God-breathed and useful for teaching, for instruction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. 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 Well, if you'd like to learn more, you can find resources about this and many other topics on our church website, www.ketoctin.org. That's K-E-T-O-C-T-I-N. Mm. You can also find out about the ministry and work of... Uh, our regional home missionary, Pastor Biggs, at joiningtheharvest.org. There's some exciting works taking place uh, in Virginia and Maryland. We encourage you to uh, be aware of and pray for and be involved with if you are uh, in those locales. If you found this episode to be useful, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. We're also happy to receive your questions, things you would like us to, uh, to consider talking about, and you can send those questions to uh, Shepherd's Voice Podcast at gmail.com. Just email your questions to Shepherd's Voice Podcast at gmail.com and we will um, look forward to hearing from you. As always, we encourage you to join us for our next episode of The Shepherd's Voice. <laughs>